This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. All right, folks, welcome back to our first regular season edition of the Mountain West Wire Basketball Edition Podcast Extravaganza. We'll go about once a week, like we said, non-conference uh, slate. And make sure you check the feed on Block Talk Radio, Stitcher, Set, um, no, excuse me, Spreaker. Tune in because we're doing football and basketball, so make sure you know what you're getting into. Jeremy Moss, Eli Betker, and we've had an interesting week of games so far, week plus. Yeah, we have. It's been relatively good, I'd say. Today was a bit of a downer, but that happens. You'll have some good days and bad days, but overall, not too bad. Yeah, doing all right. For those wondering, this is a recording Sunday night. So we've seen all the games up to the well. We know we know what happened in all the games up to this point. Right, <laughs> haven't seen every game, but this includes like Florida State, CSU, Boise, Iowa State, uh, St. Mary's, San Jose State. So as this should be up Monday morning, and it is as we mocked before, feast week because it is right. <laughs> it is, even though I just had my Thanksgiving turkey. Because you know, in four days I'll be heading down to Portland to watch the PK Invitational. That's right. That'll be a good one. So, um, oh, man. Quick, quick, quick question for you. Me and Brandon Blake uh, on a football show talked about turkey. Is a uh, turkey overrated? Do you love turkey? Is it okay? Yeah. What's your I, thoughts on turkey? I no. I I don't think it's overrated. It's solid. It's it's not ham, but it's it's good. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I had to, that was low hanging fruit. I had to drop that that's in there. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> I put I put a poll out. That no, that's fair. I put a poll out there a week or so ago. Most people said Thanksgiving dinner was overrated. Oh, come on. It's, it was split between overrated and just fine. Nobody says it was underrated, which I'm cool with. Um, you know what you should try out? I put it, I put this on my Facebook page. You may have seen it because I think we're Facebook buddies. But somebody put a recipe. They called it a trend, but I don't think it's a trend. Flaming hot Cheeto crust on the outside of your what? turkey. No, okay, that's overrated then. <laughs> <laughs> like they, I guess they crunch it up and you make a little – just a – Crust, a crust, essentially. Hmm. I do like flaming hot Cheetos, but I would try that. But I would need like a game man or something small to try it on, instead of a giant turkey waste of twenty pounds. Yeah, exactly. I, I maybe uh, if it's over at someone else's house on like a Wednesday or Tuesday, the the few days before <laughs> I give it a try. But no, I mean Thanksgiving only comes once. You gotta enjoy it while it lasts. So I think overall Thanksgiving dinner is probably properly rated. It's good. I just yeah, it's, it's I'm not saying it's bad by any means. I'm just like, turkey, it's okay, it's not bad. My favorite thing, if it's made right, and when I say made right, it's my recipe, it's my stuff, when I make stuff. Oh, yeah. When I make my own stuffing, that's the best. If you make it wrong, oh, it's The it's night's terrible. ruined. I'll say cranberry sauce is overrated, though. Oh, I do not like cranberry sauce. There we go. Sauce. We agreed on food there, take. We, we, <laughs> hey, we like stuffing and cranberry sauce. Do you put bacon in your stuffing? I haven't, but that sounds elite. What I do, real quick, we'll get to basketball talk, of course. we got to have some nonsense, but I'll make it from scratch. It's my recipe my mom made. We don't really put bacon inside it. it you basically layer bacon on the top. So, like, you do about four or five. How Depending, depending how big your pan is, you kind of layer it with bacon. So it's, uh, so it's not overwhelming. It's just a little bit here and there. But That has to be a Texas make, thing, right? Of course. Yeah, <laughs> I, knew I it. guess. I don't know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
And I, I, I'd like to say I, I should be shying away from that because I guess yesterday or this past week you cannot open carry a sword or machete, which I'm like, is that necessary? <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's a mess, but uh, so you're going to you're going to that tournament up up in Portland. That's pretty cool. Yeah, so. it will be fun. So hopefully the traffic isn't too bad. I'm hoping the weather is um, hangs in there for Thursday's commute because we got to leave bright and early. We've got 12 games to watch that weekend, and it'll be a good time. Ooh. Let's get back to Mountain West stuff. No more turkey, no more Thanksgiving. But if you have Thanksgiving, um, find a good stuffing recipe. Maybe I'll find my recipe and post it. That should be a good idea. There we go. Yeah. Do, do I need to? Because I, I power ranked um, some sort of the fourth. Did I power rank Fourth of July condiments or sides? Do I need to power rank Thanksgiving <laughs> sides? I think so. Yeah, because it's a definitely a controversial topic, just like Halloween candy and um, what was the other one? It's like maybe Christmas meals that are controversial, but no, I think you should probably go for that. I think it's so, but I think you and me would say stuffy number one, right? Overall seed. I would, yeah, I would say so. Cranberry is definitely the like sixteen seed plan. Marshmallow yams, no way. Get those away from me. That's garbage. Oh, gosh, come on, that's awful. <laughs> Good, yes, we got food stuff. All right, let's get to hoop. So <laughs> here's what happened. So we're about a week plus in for these games. So I guess um, we're kind of, how we're going to do this. We're not going to go through every game. That's boring. Talk about some highlights, some big picture stuff, what's going on, some big games. I guess the big, I guess a couple of big stories. I would say we got first off, we got Nevada beat Rhode Island last week, which is pretty good. And let me ask you this: since they won that game, do you think that's going to get them enough to be ranked on uh, Monday in the next poll? I don't think it will be. Um, I think they're still a week away, and they have a pretty decent schedule coming up. They're home against Davidson, and they have to uh, go on the road and play Hawaii. So. If they can win those two games, I think they'll probably be ranked next Monday, but I think they'll probably be inching towards the top 25 this week. I think they only picked up a vote, maybe just a couple more in the last poll, so I'd say they're still a week away. I thought it was closer. I didn't, I'm looking right now. They have in the uh, coaches, or excuse me, eight people. I thought they had more than only two votes, or two points, I should say. So I thought they were a bit high. Like That's matching like Oakland and Dayton, who... They beat Dayton get consideration to beat Rhode Island, who is ten like twenty seventh if you go that deep. So I thought they were a bit higher, but I guess I don't know who lost in front of them. But uh, I, don't, they'll, I guess you're right; they'll be close. But that Rhode Island game, like people were pumped about that game. Watching like watching that game over on CBS uh, Sports Network, this is a game where like people talk about like oh, officiating. I thought the officiating was fine. People were talking about free throw discrepancy. Did people not know Nevada likes to attack the basket and shoot a million free throws a game? All right, so, yeah, Nevada just has two points or two votes. Or, depending, it could be two points, could be two – well, it is two points. <laughs> could be could be two votes or one vote. So, we'll see how they go. But um, after that game, let's talk about the Rhode Island game because that's who they beat. And, like I said, do don't think they'll be ranked. They'll be closer. They have Davidson, who's getting consideration. But did you think – I don't think this is the case. And a lot of people on Twitter were bashing the officiating. I thought it was done fine because people were upset at the free throw discrepancy. But – do people not watch Nevada hoops? Don't they know that's kind of what they do at times? It's kind of attack. Yeah, exactly. They were in the, I believe, in the top thirty in free throw late rate last year, and the additions of the Martin twins only allow this team to be more aggressive when it comes to getting to the basket and drawing fouls. So, uh, maybe there are a few questionable calls here and there, but you'll have that for every game. I think a lot of people look at free throw attempts as. Um, like the main determinant of whether a game was called fairly. 
but that's never the case. So, and the free throw attempts, it was 44 to 18 in Nevada's advantage. And maybe that's a bit lopsided, but uh, maybe Rhode Island wasn't uh, attacking the basket nearly as much. They attempted 22 threes. Nevada only attempted 13. So it, it could have a lot to do with styles, but I think overall it was probably officiated fairly well. You know how you could tell Nevada was attacking the basket? How's that? They, did, they didn't get a lot of, besides the free throws, clearly. They didn't get many and one attempts, but free oh, just field goal attempts. Attempts. 70 to Rhode Island. 43 for Nevada. Mm. And so that tells me they're attacking the basket and getting not like, – well, a couple of, a couple of free throws. They're getting fouled and not making it. Those shots don't count as a missed shot. And so who knows how many shots they actually took that didn't get a – you know what I mean? That went to the line that didn't go in. That could have been with 44 attempts. That could have been 15 shots, 20 shots possibly. I don't know. Just kind of going off of 44. You have the one-on-one or the bonus and just uh, fouls on the floor. But – Part of it too. They only get forty three attempts, so that's part of it too. But this game kind of feel like a tournament game a little bit, where and Nevada got out big because this is the two teams that are Rhode Island is supposed to be. The, were they the A ten champs preseason champs? Yes. Mm-hmm. So you got them. You got Nevada, and look what happened. Like there is the one nasty injury to E C Matthews, which is pretty nasty. He came back in, but I believe isn't he out for a couple weeks? I thought. I haven't seen a follow up on it, but I don't think he missed a play if I remember correctly. He he missed the Holy Cross game next. I know he came out, but I don't know how much time he missed. I thought I heard – I think I was listening to the guys at Mid-Major Madness, their show, and they are talking about this game, and E.C. Matthews, he went out falling pretty hard. But he didn't play versus Holy Cross the other day, mm-hmm. and maybe they mentioned him out. But that was a – that hurt him because he's one of their better players on the team. And, like, Nevada was – I wouldn't say they are control the whole game, but they showed off early in the first half. They're up by 10. They're hitting three-point shots for – sort of, I guess. They're attempting them, I should say. But – if you look at what they do best, they rebound fairly well. Offensive rebound didn't help for them, but it was a lot of, uh, look at that, seven steals. It's a pretty big deal. They had four blocks. They points off turnovers. I think I should have stat broadcast up, but they turned the ball over the same, but I think they're scoring off those turnovers. I guess the big difference where I thought Nevada would have been better was rebounding, especially offense. You see that? How does Rhode Island not win this game when they have 18 offensive boards of four, or to six? And I think they had outscored, um, I should check real quick, but they outscored, like, second chance points is point attempts or points made went Rhode Island fairly easily. Based off, like, that type of stuff, they probably should have won this game. Yeah, they definitely made it close. And on top of that, they also went 9 of 22 from deep. And Nevada only hit four three-pointers, which is usually their forte. So I think Nevada fans knew that this wasn't going to be an easy one, and Nevada coaches knew that as well. And the Wolfpack got off to a pretty solid start, sizable lead, and Rhode Island continued to cut into that lead. But Nevada prevailed at the end, and a lot of games throughout the season will come down to free throws, and the Wolfpack were able to convert. They were 36 of 44 from the line. Carolina was 14 of 17, and Caleb Martin was 12 of 13. So uh, good performance for the Wolfpack, and they followed it up with two convincing road wins on Wednesday and Saturday, it won the games by a com- combined 55 points. So those weren't competitive. They nailed threes uh, with both of those games. So the team's doing just about as well as we all expected in the preseason. You know, we, we forgot to mention. We for- what's that? We forgot to mention your your famous in Reno Arena. And uh, was it Ray- what's the arena called there in Reno? May, um, whatever the arena is called there. You're, you're on Jumbotron. Yeah, Lawler Event Center. Yes, yeah, Lawyer, so, That's what it was. Um, I blank. I wouldn't even. I wouldn't have even known. But someone said, "Hey, uh, Nevada used 
um, your tweet as motivation. And the first thing was like, oh, God, what did I say? <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> what, what, how did I make it bad? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I take it back. I take it back. Uh, so then I took a look, and it was the tweet about how many days it's been since the Mountain West team was ranked. So that ties right back in, in ties right back into what we were saying. Um, and it's been it's coming up on a thousand days. So hopefully the Wolf Pack can, or yeah, I would assume it's the Wolf Pack if yeah. any teams mm-hmm. it will be uh, in the top twenty-five in the coming weeks. And I guess since we're still on the topic, we just got a, a message from Jim Vasquez, who's a big Nevada Wolf Pack fan. He said. Would you still leave Cody Martin out of your top twenty-five uh, Mount West Wire countdown? Ooh. So that's that's a tough question. I would have to look at who he had uh, on the top twenty-five. I can pull it up really quick, but if I remember but also, correctly, it's, it's only been a couple games though. It hasn't been that many games either. Yeah, yeah, it's true. I mean, we're only in mid-November, but he's been excellent so far, and he started right off the jump, which I don't think a ton of people expected. He's probably outperformed Kill Martin so far, so. I I might I might consider that, but he's been excellent, which is the overall point, I guess, of what he's trying to say. So uh, that's that's great for the Wolfpack. Both twins are producing. You got Stevens and all the returning guys. This team's yeah. solid. And one thing I noticed too, like I was looking looking at a couple of things, like Kendall Stevens. I was looking at the box score just now from that Reno game versus uh, Rhode Island, and I'm like, oh, he scored zero points, Kendall Stevens. And I'm like, well, what's he doing? Why is he starting? Why is it the other Martin guys getting in his place? I know they play sort of guard forward whatever it's they kind of blend together this nevada team who plays what position so but he go he scores zero points in 18 minutes he barely plays versus idaho but then he goes to pacific goes five of ten for three point range plays 30 minutes it gets what's that 20 20 total points is he a guy like is he a guy in this team where he could be like kind of the x-factor guy perhaps you think going down once we get into league play and hopefully tournament play yeah i think so and what you said there doesn't surprise me at all, and I've seen, I pretty much saw his first two and a half seasons that he played at Purdue, That's and right, yeah. it's it's what he would do. He would have games where he'd nail five or six three pointers, and he'd get twenty points and finish first or second on the team in, in scoring with the Boilermakers. And there would be nights where he couldn't hit a thing. So I think best case scenario, he's knocking down handful of threes every game, and worst case scenario, which honestly isn't that bad, is they just use him as a decoy because. Anyone who's associated with college basketball knows that Kendall Stevens can shoot and he can heat up really fast. So even if he doesn't have it on any given night, he can still be out there and help out the spacing, uh, which makes Nevada even more difficult to stop. All right, so I have a very important question to ask you now. Of course. Of course. You know it's going to be serious if I start like that. <laughs> but <laughs> you mentioned somebody who – because we need to find a Nick Duncan replacement. Mm, I figured this was going to come up. <laughs> Who was it you mentioned? I'm trying to find the tweet. Who did you? Who do you recommend? Christian Sangfelder from Boise State, the old uh, German transfer from from Fordham. Why is that? Why do you think he should be in consideration? Um, Foreigner plays for Boise or something else. There, there are some correlations. So I don't think there's any requirements. And you know, like the players, sometimes us media guys get caught up in the heat in the moment of the game. But um, when it comes down to it, Christian Sangfelder has been excellent so far this season, and uh, he's a big body guy. I think he's listed at six nine two forty, so that's creeping up on Nick Duncan measurements right there. <laughs> but I mean, this guy can shoot, and he showed that today against Iowa State. Even though it was a loss, he knocked down four threes. Excellent inside out guy. He'll probably be able to shoot over forty percent from deep this year. Um, he he's not going to flip off. 
fan bases or anything like that. That he's he's far more mellow and and um, quiet, I Respectful. guess. But yeah, I mean, we love Nick Duncan for what he did, but I think Sangfeller's more uh, maybe level-headed, so to speak. But anyways, this this guy can shoot, and and he'll put up a number of threes this year and knock down a ton. And Boise State will be fun to watch just because of how well they can shoot and. We like our big guys that can shoot threes and do all sorts of fun and entertaining things. So I think Christian Sigfelder is probably a pretty good Nick Duncan replacement. And it just so happens that he really is a Nick Duncan replacement within the BSU rotation. I don't know. I like Kendall Stevens with his inconsistent inconsistency at three-point shooting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but he can pour it in when he's hot. So that's fun. Well, we'll see. So let's get to another team here. Let's go to New Mexico. Um are they? I, I should I should check this stuff before I bring it up. But they scored a hundred points in a couple of their games. Are they? I believe they're leading the conference in scoring. But yet, we also need to consider consider consideration because who you're playing. They are two and one. They lost to uh, New Mexico State recently. Set only scored fifty six points. People on Twitter. I know you love your team. I know we say we were biased against every team. We're also realistic. I don't like. I don't. People who say, who was it? Somebody spouting off on Twitter about New Mexico. You said they're going to have, oh, I remember what it was. Sam Logwood's going to be their one guy in double digits. We kind of projected our preseason show. He's like, oh, they had eight guys in double digits when they played northern New Mexico. It's like, <laughs> come on. It's northern New Mexico. It's right. I get scoring. Their pace is getting to be pretty ridiculous so far for a couple of the games. They only played three. And New Mexico State kind of stymied that, but... They can score points if they can get the right rotation going. Because right now, they've got seven guys, two, three, four, five, six guys in double figures. That's not going to last. And again, it's, you're playing lower competition for at least the first game. Omaha's, whatever, Nebraska, that school. But New Mexico State's probably going to win the WAC or be top three then, Utah Valley and uh, Grand Canyon. They had to show up and, like, they didn't play very well versus New Mexico State. They only had. What Mathis and Craig, Craig, or excuse me, Chris McNeil do anything specially? Shot terribly from the ball from the outside or anywhere in the field. Their defense did okay, but this is one of those games like, like the Nevada Rhode Island game, a little bit free throw discrepancy where they were out doubled ten to twenty one in free throw attempt or three free throws made, and they were six to twenty from three point range. Yes, New Mexico State was thirty nine percent overall, but they gotta if they're if they're gonna be a team that's gonna be better than last year. I know New Mexico State's good, but you can't score 56 points and shoot 38%. I think, yeah, I mean, we have to take the first two games with a grain of salt. They're not going to average 100 points this year. I think <laughs> everyone knows that. Uh, the drop-off sure? from, <laughs> I, I would hope so, um, the drop-off from 100 in the first two games to 56 against New Mexico State is a little bit concerning because New Mexico State's the first quality opponent they've played this year. And I don't think the final score really tells the whole story. New Mexico is fairly competitive throughout the game. But I think what we've seen the first three games out of the Lobos is that Paul Weir is going to, at the very least, mess things up. And when and I mean that in a positive connotation because when you don't necessarily have as much talent as the other teams in the league, um, when your best player is Sam Logwood, who's not necessarily a household name, I think... Um, your best case is to play with a bit of an unorthodox style, and that's what New Mexico is doing. They're, they ran 100 possessions in the first game of the year against northern New Mexico. They're pressing all the time, even if they're up. Just, 
I mean, just making it super difficult on their opponents. And sometimes it'll backfire, and we saw that against New Mexico State. Shots won't fall. Teams with good guards will be able to break the press with ease and get easy layups. But I think the first three games are a relative bright spot for this team because it's an interesting style that Paul Weir's bringing. It's a lot more enthusiasm as opposed to the Craig Neal days. So there are definitely some bright spots from the first week and a half. So it's there's, there's, there's some good stuff there. But one thing I'd mention, like, if they're going to be better, like, I know you said the free throws don't tell the whole game, but their defense... I only watched a tiny bit of this game, but I know New Mexico State has some guys, but they're, this Lobos defense may be something that could be better than their offense. Holding the Aggies to just, what, like, a 39%. I know they took a lot of threes, four of 20, but I'm wondering if they held them to – 75 points is pretty good for in college basketball. If you get about – it's just above average, right? Am I correct on that? Mm-hmm. So that's that's okay, but I'm wondering if that defense could be better than the offense at some points. If they hold the Aggies to that few points, and they start playing teams like uh, Nevada, which has people that could score. Maybe when they play San Diego State, it'll be a low-scoring game until maybe Devin Watson gets up, gets his uh, capability, scoring capabilities up like he did before he came in from San Francisco. You and have some guys who could score. I'm wondering. It's I know it's way too early to tell, but I'm thinking the defense could be a key factor to them if the offense is up and down. Because if you look at Ken Palm real quick, like their adjusted offense, he takes into consideration opponent as well, right? Yes. So for just the here, oh here's I, I was hovering just now found it for some reason it now worked. It's like adjusted off offense plus SOS. So they scored what one was it one forty seven versus Northern New Mexico. They scored over hundred versus Nebraska Oman, just fifty six in the versus the Aggies. Do you want to take a guess where they are in adjusted offensive performance or pace? Uh, well, I mean, I have it right in front of me. 224 in the country. Mm-hmm. So despite them scoring so many points, and there's 351 teams, so it's bottom third. So they can score 200 points against a crappy team. If it's a crappy team, it's going to be reflected as not being considered like higher up on that just an offensive pace or just an offense, you'd say. So I don't know. I'm just kind of thinking like what they've done. Their defense has been pretty good, especially versus the Aggies. They Omaha only had 71 points, which – they're putting backups and stuff in, but I, th- I think the defense could be something to look at for this team where now that the Lobos want to keep a low scoring game, they want to run and get a lot of points as you could tell, but maybe something will come in that defense where they could stop a team, but that's still too early to tell, but it's kind of something I noticed when they played an actual team, even though they lost by geez, 19 points. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think you'll have a night where New Mexico probably beat one of the top four or five teams in the league. And that's because I mean, the defense that they play, even though it it's not the best that it can be right now, and you can't really expect to insert a press and have it work overnight, that's just not going to happen, especially with a rather young and inexperienced group. But they, they can probably knock off a middle tier or top four or five team in this league this year because of the style that they play. And they'll press up and down. They're going to inbound the ball and just run up the court and try to find a good shot as quick as they can. And that wears down on some teams. And uh, some teams in this league are better trained and, and have uh, fewer problems with fatigue than others. But maybe you run into a team that uh, has difficulty with that style of play and their guards get frustrated by uh, being swarmed right when they inbound the ball. So I like the style that New Mexico plays with. And they don't necessarily have all the pieces right there to make it all come together and, and win 20 games or so. But at the very least... Uh, their style should be able to win them some games in conference play, I'd, I'd think. All right, really quick. Let's stick with the Lobos at the moment. They got Tennessee Tech this week. That should be 
Should be a victory. Um, they get TCU end of the week on Friday the 24th. Part of Isn't that part of a tournament, correct? Yeah, it's uh, it's in Niceville, Florida. That is, uh, I don't have it in front of me right now. I'm blanking Emerald, on the name. Oh, here it is, Emerald Coast Classic. Emerald Coast Classic? Yeah, yeah, I guess the Tennessee Tech game is technically part of that series. So they play uh, 7 Eastern on CBS Sports Network on Friday. This will be the big test because TCU is predicted to what, the top third in the Big 12. Yeah, I think they're third or fourth. Third or fourth. So this is a team that also wants to score points. When you look at what they do, they score about 86 points a game. Four guys in double figures. They One thing we will sort of know, which is kind of, which is kind of good for if you want to kind of scoreboard watch, they play, they beat Tennessee Tech 163. And they also, and that's who obviously Lobos play um, on the 21st, or before the TCU game, a couple days before. But they also play uh, Omaha on the same day before New Mexico. So that... I know it's kind of maybe not the best to look at that, but if they beat Omaha, whatever, you kind of look at those two scores and kind of compare a little bit, but TCU scores some points. That guy's like a Vladimir, I'm going to butcher this name here, Vladimir um, Borjanotsky, 17 points a game. you got to stop that guy. They have a, they, have a, they balance scoring, but again, it's so early to tell when they're playing like South Dakota, Louisiana Monroe, not great teams. Better competition than the Lobos, I would say, because, nor- come on, Northern Mexico? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It'll, so what do you give them, a test. What chances do you have them winning on that neutral site floor against the uh, Horn Frogs? Uh, pretty slim, I would say. Uh, Jamie Dixon has more experience than the head coaching spot over at TCU, and I think they've uh, their roster is more experienced as well. So that's a tough team to play. But I think you're right; it's a good measuring stick for them to play one of the top teams in the country in TCU. And uh, the Horn Frogs have some really good ball players, like Brodzianski is a good player, and Kenrich Williams is solid. Jalen Fisher is a good guard. So a lot of talent on that roster. Uh, I don't. I don't expect the Lobos to win, but if they can remain competitive and if their defense shows some signs and can maybe frustrate the TCU guards a little bit, that will definitely be a positive sign for Weir and the bunch moving forward. Is this just a one and done tournament? Is there? I should. I should pull it up here, not just spring it on you. But are there, is this a multi bid, multi team tournament? Um. I, I If it is, it's only like one other game, I think. Okay, here we go. Here's how I actually pulled up. Go over, blog in the bracket there. Invaluable resource for some of this stuff. Uh, <laughs> they did play either Maryland or the St. Or St. Bonaventure. Ah, that's right. Yeah. So Maryland's obviously Big Ten. St. Bonaventure, I'm not sure where they're at, but usually a decent team in the A-10. So that's who they would uh, play. You know what's funny? Um, games are on CBS Sports Network, the semifinals. Uh, Friday... Uh, the championship is on CBS Sports Network. The uh, consolation is on YouTube. <laughs> mm, interesting. I guess it's I, I guess it's easier to, easier to watch because not as many people get CBS. So, yeah, positive? <laughs> that's an interesting uh, relegation there. <laughs> I, I just look at they're like, all right, that's uh, sure, that's what you got. All right, so another team. Let's talk about the Rebels because they're not a top fifteen team, folks. For whatever people mm. want to tell us, they are improving. They are better than last year. How how much better? It's still the uh, I need the uh, shrug emoji. Is that the, is that what that's called? The whatever emoji. Can't tell it, yet. It's not worse <laughs> than last year. It can't be. But this team's exciting. They have a lot of uh, quality players there. I think Shakir Houston's been really good right off the bat. Brandon McCoy's pretty much been a guarantee for twenty and ten every night. And the team's shooting well, which is uh, which was a concern for them coming in. You we you're wondering how well they could shoot the basketball, but. It hasn't been bad so far. They're actually 26 in the country right now in field goal percentage, so that's 
really good first sign. And you have to take into account the competition, of course, but uh, you want to see what this team does, and they've done really well the first three games. Serious question for you. And mm-hmm. that means joke question, probably. How's their late game inbounding play, defense or offense? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, they <laughs> haven't they have... been in a pressurous situation yet, so I guess that uh, time will that time will come eventually. Um, shout out to Dave Rice; he's still doing yeah, his exactly. thing. Yeah. Um, uh, See, with Nevada still, or no? He went to yeah UW. He... That's right, UW as assistant. Okay, mm-hmm. so I'm sorry. <laughs> killer on the recruiting trails, but maybe not in late game scenarios. And Menzies will get his fair shot. But overall, I like what this team is doing so far. I've been able to tune into their first three games, and I've liked what I've seen. Yeah, McCoy, he's been the guy. Like, I watched a little bit of him in the was the under nineteen FIBA during the summer. He mm-hmm. was was he like their most efficient player, I believe, on the he was, US yeah. team for a while or the tournament actually. He was he's leading the team in scoring. Like he's who knows if he's a one or done guy, but he's hitting the boards. He's uh he does turn the ball over a bit too much. Gets a block a game, which is nice, but. Let's see, like their guard Javon Mooring, he's scoring well. He's getting five assists a game. Like you mentioned, Jordan Johnson, Shakir Justin. There, it's again, like it's all this stuff. It's kind of too too early to tell. But this weekend, yeah, they play Rice, who's uh, not not this weekend, but later in the week, who's uh, not very good. They're usually not good out of Conference USA. So I'm in this tournament. It's at the MGM main event. They should beat Rice because it's a uh, sorry, it's Rice. I, I'm, I'm familiar with Rice. They're not very good. They're smart, but not really good. They've already <laughs> lost to Eastern Kentucky and Georgia State. And they beat, um, who's that, Northwest State, Northwestern? I don't know who that is. NWST, Northwestern State. <laughs> yeah, Northwestern State, I believe. But what I really want to see is the next game where they will play either University of Utah or Ole Miss. So that will be, oh, my tournament page is gone. That will be a game you want to see. And these games are on, uh, let's see, what day of the week? Sorry, too many schedules. November 20th, that's on AT&T Sportsnet. So if you get AT&T, you can watch it, probably stream on the Mountain West site. They should beat Rice. Then I, I'm i not sure who they beat between Utah and Ole Miss, but regardless, that's a, two decent opponents. Utah beat Missouri last week, but without Michael Porter Jr., so whatever that consideration, not much, I guess, because <laughs> they beat him pretty handily. But, heck, if they're playing either of those teams, at worst, it's a game where you're probably getting a top 50 team almost, top 75 team. Yeah, it's not a team that's going to run you out of the building, I wouldn't think. It's no Arizona, which they play on December 2nd, so that one, uh, that's going to be quite the test. But at least you have either Ole Miss or Utah as a bit of a tune-up, and you basically get to play it in your backyard, so that's nice. I'm I'm curious to see some of the matchups and and see how McCoy does in his first uh, true power conference opponent. It'll be a good, uh, once again, measuring stick for the Rebels. So I'm curious how those two games go. And then they've got Southern Utah, which is one of the worst teams in the country, so they should be able to beat them. And then Northern Iowa on the road, which is part of the Missouri Valley Mountain West Challenge. Yeah. So that, that that could be a bit difficult against the Panthers. They're usually pretty solid. Um, yeah. But some decent tests, and then you roll into conference play and see what the Rebels do. But like I said, uh, been pretty impressed so far by what they've been doing. No matchup I want to see? What's that? David Collette, Brandon McCoy. Oh yeah, good old <laughs> that, Collette. Uh, kidding aside, that should be a pretty that should be a decent matchup. Mm-hmm. Because Collette, he's uh, I think he's starting for the Utes. He uh, didn't shoot very well, but at seventeen points in their win over uh, against the Missouri. So that's but seriously, he's an experienced guy. He could be a matchup where it could be somewhere where McCoy plays a solid opponent. And for those who are, are honest for saying UNLV's not going to be amazing, it's still early. They're doing what they're supposed to be doing. 
they are, like I said, playing better than last year, and they're getting stuff done. Like, they are scoring points. Uh, McCoy, I know the competition's not there, but it's way better than high school. And it's probably, I don't know how to compare these teams with the U19, but it's Division One basketball. It's not high school. So that's a big jump regardless. So with him being the leading scorer, leading rebounder, probably when they have the awards, will be freshman of the week, I'm assuming, or if that's already came out, will be named that. Whenever, who knows when those come out, but that's, uh, we'll see. They got Rice. This weekend, we'll know when we record next, we'll probably have a couple couple more games in the books. We'll kind of know where they're at. But let me ask you this will they be undefeated when they play Arizona? I think they're probably going to drop the game against Northern Iowa and maybe against either Ole Miss or Utah. So I would be surprised if they were undefeated. Um, they're probably going to lose. I would say they lose the Northern Iowa game and they might beat either Utah or. Ole Miss, but that Arizona game is going to be really fun because those are probably two of the best front courts in all of the West Coast basketball. So Arizona's got Ristich and DeAndre Ayton and Manuel Acott and all these guys that are just excellent. So that's going to be fun to watch, see how Shakir Jusen and Brandon McCoy match up with against, uh, against the nation's elite, so that'll be fun. All right, so what team should we talk about next? We do Aztecs, I guess, go through most of these teams here? Yeah, that sounds good. Let's go over SDSU. Do we have to talk about the Arizona State game? Yeah, I think that's worth talking about. So, they're 2-1. and one. They've beaten a bunch of nobodies. Um, I mean, these Staten's, was it, San Diego Christian, who they seem to play every year. Um, they're in this game. Arizona State's not supposed to be particularly good this year. They're supposed to be just okay. They're never great, but just okay. They were leading the game at halftime. Okay, cool. 40-34. to 34. Like Pope's doing his thing. You've got um, Devin Watson, who didn't really do much, but they're winning at the halftime. Somehow, the um, Aztec defense did not show up in the second half. Allowed 56 points doubled up by Arizona State. How is that possible? Why does this happen? Uh, they, they looked lost, honestly. I was pretty shocked because SDSU did a great job finishing off the half, I thought. Um they did really well and got some momentum, had a basket right before the end of the half, held a 40-34 to 34 lead at the break. They had a six-point lead in a Pac-12 arena on the road. It was it was looking pretty well, uh, pretty good. And then, man, ASU just blew the doors off. They, they couldn't miss. SDSU was missing a bunch of assignments. Max Montana went down with a knee injury. He'll be out possibly up to four weeks, so that hurts because he was their main offensive outlet in this game. He knocked down a handful of threes. And San Diego State winning one of those uh, offensive droughts that we had seen the last few years with the Steve Fisher teams. They uh, went, it looks like they went about seven minutes and made only one field goal. And over that span, Arizona State extended their lead from 54 to 50 all the way up to 76 to 52. And by that point, it was game over. So, man, it's, it's tough. And Mark Ziegler said, Man, the more things change, the more they stay the same because Brian Dutcher, he got a new face there on the sidelines and you got Devin Watson there in the rotation and Cameron Rooks and these guys. Eight but points. Oh, Eight points man. for Watson. I thought, Watson. I thought Watson was supposed to be the guy to come in and bring, be the scoring dude, get like 15 a game. Yeah, it wasn't there uh, on Tuesday against Arizona State. He did dish out nine assists, so we have mm-hmm. to give him credit for that. But sure. it, it was brutal, and I was just – amazed by their defense because usually it's it's what keeps SDSU in these games where they can't score but uh, they couldn't they couldn't stop anything and ASU just plowed its way and 
went 8 of 25 from deep, and they converted 63% of their two-point attempts. So they yeah. followed it up with a blowout win against McNeese State, and they scored 83 points and only allowed 52. So, <laughs> yeah, so, so that's fine. But it's too bad because SESU's schedule is really limited in terms of non-conference opponents. They, have, they do have a guaranteed game against Gonzaga at home, and they might get a shot to play St. Mary's if things work out in the Wooden Legacy this weekend, but that's pretty much it for quality opponents. So um, at best, their at-large hopes are hanging on was, by a thread, if, if that. So I was going to ask you, was this a must-win game to get at-large bid, perhaps? I know it's early, but come on, you got a Pac-12 team. Because just by virtue of being the Pac-12, ASU will probably be, what, top 75 team? I, I would think so, and I hate saying that games are must-win in the first week, and people get on me for that, but if you look at it from the bigger picture, San Diego State, at best, will have three shots to beat top 50 non-conference opponents. If it's Gonzaga, St. Mary's, and Arizona State, if uh, the Sun Devils continue their play throughout the rest of the season, which I guess we'll find out. But so Right now, real quick, they are 81 in RPI. Arizona State. Okay, and it, it's still really early. They're 75th in Ken Palm, so they might be a bubble team, and, and maybe they find where in the tournament. But so, yeah, I mean, you have one power conference team on your non-conference schedule, and come up short like that, lose by 22. It, it's it's difficult to say here on it, what is it, November Cal. 19th? They well. Yeah, they they do have Cal, but, but still, man, the Colton yeah. Bears are awful. I mean, they, they're almost 0 and 3. So. You are right on that. That is a power conference opponent, but their non-conference schedule offers next to nothing. So I did mark this Arizona State game down pretty much as a de facto must-win game, and they came up well short. So we'll see what happens the rest of the season. But, man, that's that's a huge, huge loss. They're in the, you said the Wooden Classic, right? Yeah, the Wooden Legacy. So there are some decent teams in, in that one. Um, best case scenario is they get to play St. Mary's in the championship game, I believe. So their their path right now, they play Sacramento State, which is a joke. Um, <laughs> then they play Georgia or, or um, Cal State Fullerton. So hopefully that's Georgia. They get a chance to beat them, but Georgia's probably a bubble team. And then hopefully it's St. Mary's. Harvard lost to, um, I think, Manhattan the other day. Washington State's pretty bad in St. Joe's. Dude, don't, don't, don't bet. Bash on the Jaspers, man! Come on. I mean, not a not a perennial NCAA tournament team. So basically, no, they're not. No, the chances they, they, they are, are good a couple times. They're they're good for a couple years. They haven't been great yeah. at all, but they, they've been okay yeah. every now and then. I'm just <laughs> yeah, you're right. Mac schools, so I know I know I'm talking about the Mac up there. Uh, but yeah, like Washington State or St. Mary's, probably St. Mary's. But we'll see. Just real quick, these are late games. Like they are even the West Coast, 10 p.m. T- tip off against Sac State. So if you are an East Coast Aztec fan and really want to watch this game, it's 1 a.m. I recommend not doing that. <laughs> put that's, it on your DVR and watch it. You know what I mean? Put it on DVR and watch it at Thanksgiving in the morning or something if you really yeah, want to get your Aztec hoops fixing. But, man. But, yeah, if they, that's this weekend, like if they can get uh, – would you say they have what, a what, 60% chance of winning the whole thing or making the finals? San Diego Maybe. State. Like, what do you think their chances are of actually getting to play St. Mary's, assuming it goes, uh, they both went out? Like, Georgia said the bubble team, so Georgia's probably in the same neighborhood as Arizona State. And I don't know, what do you think? Like, how do you, what do you think their chances are of getting two quality opponents in this tournament? 
they should be able to handle Sacramento State, and Sacramento yeah. State hung around with Colorado State until CSU was able to pull away. So they should be able to win that one. I think Georgia probably beats Fullerton, so they'll probably play Georgia. That one might be a coin flip. Uh, that that one could be a bit of a challenge. And then uh, hopefully, if they if they win their first two games, they'll match up against St. Mary's. And I wouldn't really love that matchup if I'm an SDSU fan against St. Mary's. That would be a really difficult one. Um, so the chance of winning the whole thing are probably pretty slim. But if they can get to a position where they play St. Mary's in the championship game, I think that would be pretty solid for them. Um, but that that Georgia game could be pretty tough. I think that's probably a 50-50 game. Okay, so it's because even if they play Georgia and lose, they could still play maybe Washington State or something, who's pretty good. Well, power, whatever, Pac-12. Or St. Joe's. I think you'd rather play St. Joe's. You would think so? St. Joe's better than the Cougars? Yeah, I would think so, okay. yeah. Oh, yeah, no, St. Joe's, St. Joe's are yeah, usually pretty good in the mix there. They had an undefeated year with Jameer Nelson a while back. So does that carry to clout this year, this time around? <laughs> Jameer Nelson, I haven't heard that name in a while. Decade ago or something, whatever it was. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, all right, so let's, uh, I guess uh, a couple other teams to talk about. We're not going through everybody. Like uh, Spartans, San Jose State played St. Mary's sort of tough today. They're not very good. Sorry, guys. But um, we already talked about the new coach losing your best player. Um, Utah State, real quick. Let's talk about them. They are, they are only two and two at the moment. However, they played Gonzaga the other day without Kobe Mc, or McEwen. Excuse me, to say McEwen again, McEwen, where he had, I guess, he had a bum ankle, and they were. This is kind of similar to the Arizona State San Diego State game, and in, in fact that, or with the fact of three point shooting, Aggies were in this game because they're shooting three pointers and making them. As well, I got home like, oh shoot, these games are tied. The Utah State's up. For halftime, all right, let's watch this game. They're up 45-42 to break. Or, excuse me, down 45-42. Make it three-pointers. But then there's a point. Seven straight consecutive missed three-point shots. And that's kind of the game. They can't rely on that to win against Gonzaga. But it's going to the kennel without your best player. And like you said on Twitter, both of us, a good 30-plus minutes in this game is just the last part of the second half where they ran out of fuel. And that's where good teams get you. If they were at full strength... Um... The way that they play the first 30 minutes, I'd give them a shot at the end because, as we've noted, they're down their top post player, Norbert Janicek. He's a seven footer who uh, won't play a minute this year with a knee surgery. Julian Pierre is out, who's one of their top guards. And of course, Kobe McEwen, last year's freshman of the year, was out too. So they're down three of, I wouldn't say they're three best players, but three of their top rotational guys all missed this game. And Utah State, they hung around for about 30 minutes. They had that big five minute scoring drought, which put the game out of reach but like I said if you're a Utah State fan you're probably pretty encouraged with how they played and arguably the top five most difficult places to play in the country so a Weber State game on the road that was that was at Weber as well they played well and only lost a game by six points too so I think you're pretty encouraged if you're a Utah State fan with how the Aggies have played so far and McEwen will be back um, I would assume by the Portland State game on Monday, so that should be fine. Um, they've got some easy games coming up, so they should be able to get wins in that one. But overall, I think you're pretty pleased with the performance against Gonzaga. No, no, I'm like a D'Angelo Isby. Whew. Definitely. Oh yeah, that he, guy can score. He came out. Some people are put hitting us up on Twitter, like, no, no, this name. This guy's going to be huge. A JUCO transfer coming in. Yeah. He was a big, big reason why they're hanging around in the Gonzaga game for a three point shooting. He's uh, perfect versus Montana State. Who That's a pretty good win. They have a guy who might be the NBA on that roster. So he's already made, what, 10, 10 three-pointers this year? 
that's not bad in four games, two and a half a game. So if you get him going, he's a guy where Aggies might be able to pull something off. But like there's like I said, their schedule coming up. They got Portland State on Monday um, afternoon or e- no evening game. Sorry, they, they have do they have any tournaments? They got um, who's any? Is that Northeastern? Yep, Northeastern. Hey, you're gonna watch them play the PK80, right? You can. Oh, that's a campus game. Never mind. What? I hate it's, the stupid. It's associated with it's associated uh, with the PK80. It's kind of confusing because Utah State says they're part of the PK80, but they're not. I guess necessarily it's, part of it. It's a, it's a bit odd. They're dumb. I've seen these like um I forget who it was. Maybe it's this year. It probably happens where it's one of these associated games. Usually before you'll play just because it's technically part of it, but then you go to the main bracket. It's kind of funny when you're the home team and you lose that game, but you still move on. <laughs> yeah <laughs> that happens time to time so sorry i was like wait pk80 there it is I'm like no but yeah they play new hampshire valpo will be interesting they got byu up in salt lake maybe i'll head up to that game that um there's some four team tournaments in utah where you got byu utah state utah playing weber state some fans are pissed like um utah valley fans southern utah fans they want to be part of it especially yeah, when i think that's good let stuff. me ask you this let me ask you this i maybe i'm out of line maybe my eyes are mark pope colored glasses but could UVU be the best team over BYU, Utah, Utah State? Uh, Is that far-fetched? Well, they've played far more challenging teams so far, so I'll give them well, that. And they've responded nicely. So maybe. I, I mean, I guess it would, it would take the games to play to see if that's true. But uh, you, you seem high on Mark Pope, and so I like I'll buy Pope. into that. And they play tough teams. So if anything else, it's uh, good competition and some – quality experience for your best players so i give yeah, them a shot they are not happy to do play and not be invited but i'm gonna go i'm likely gonna go to uvu byu the week after thanksgiving so that should be a good one awesome but so because so you got we don't need to talk about whack but tool some brothers out there they got the guy from oklahoma coming in Whew. Mm. they need to play some mountain west school so i could talk more uvu basketball <laughs> yeah i would say so that'd be that'd make for some good games they played wyoming last year and lost but that's about it and i guess it wasn't their secret scrimmage uvu wyoming this year too wasn't that the case I think so, yeah. I think yeah, it was. was. Mm-hmm. You're right. right. But Aggies, they should, they'll be okay. We'll see. Portland State's easy. Northeastern, New Hampshire. Like, they're probably not, I don't know. They, BYU, who knows? They lost UTA, Arlington, but Arlington likes to run up and down. It can beat most teams. Um, we'll see. The Utah State has Utah as well. So they got Utah, they got BYU, Utah on the schedule. They got some school called Life. Who is that? Life Pacific, the insurance company. <laughs> champion what was what's that like sec reference about champion of life or something Do you yeah know that? oh shoot yeah who no tennessee it was a tennessee thing oh classic so i think it's butch davis who's who's out as the head coach for football so it was something about life champions or something like that uh all right let's let's, let's blast through the rest of this uh, i guess let's do a quick minute on csu because we don't want to make this like two hours long. So they played Florida State today. They lost. Is Florida State any good? Uh, they're not as good as they were the last two years, but they're they're still solid. So yeah, call, call, I guess we got to go talk about Boise too in a minute. But they they played Sac State like you mentioned. Played kind of close. Winthrop lost to Tulane. What's up with Tulane? How does that happen? They they don't just lose to Tulane. They get blown out by Tulane. Yeah, they, yeah. Tulane they, opened with a twenty-two to four run. Uh, CSU had two baskets with six minutes left in the first half. Yeah, yeah. It's Shea Bob who came off the bench for 15, but nobody else really did much. I, it's, it's, Tulane is undefeated at the moment, so that's uh, solid for them. But that's a uh, 
if the Rams are going to make any noise, not that they really expected to, but you can't lose to a team like that that badly as well. And then Florida State, like they, like they're usually Seminoles. Usually, they've been on on the uptick the past couple five years, I'd say. But you lose to Florida State by seventeen points. They weren't even really close in this game because they're down what a lot nine at the half, eleven at the half. Same thing. They had guys like uh, just Shea Bob. That's the only guy. I guess Nixon finally showed up with twenty two, but. They, Florida State, they just, I guess the main difference, I kind of saw this, was that more buckets made, I guess. Simple as that, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was it was odd because I uh, was watching this game and CSU would look really good for about two minutes and then Florida State would go on a 7-0, run and CSU would crawl back into it, maybe make it a 3-4 point game and then the Seminoles would answer and that was pretty much the whole 40 minutes. It was just... Uh, each team calling each other back, and eventually Florida State had the last lap. So I guess there are some bright spots in that one. But overall, the first four games haven't been all that impressive. They they came back against both Sacramento State and Winthrop. Both of those games were at home, and essentially came up empty in Jamaica against Tulane and Florida State. Mm-hmm. And next game is a true road game against New Mexico State in Las Cruces. So that's going to be a difficult one. And the first true road environment game of the year, so that's a good test for the Rams, and it doesn't get any easier either because they have they host Colorado on December second, and they play two true road games against Arkansas and Oregon. So that's crazy. Uh, Three yeah. days apart or four days apart. That's kind of a man. Eh, whatever. It's not football, so you're not. But still, it's kind of interesting. Back to back. It's a tough games. week. Yeah. Yeah. Just yeah, going back and forth and play. We got Colorado a few days before that whole week. We'll talk about those later, but CU, Arkansas, Oregon, and one basically one calendar week. Yep. All right, so let's um, they're they're under team. Let's talk one more team here before we got a few big picture stuff. Sorry if we don't talk about your team this week, but we don't want to talk for two hours. But Boise State, they uh, had, let's start with today's game. They were in the um, championship game of the uh, Puerto Rico tip off, not in Puerto Rico because of the hurricane a while back. They're out in the coast where the coastal Myrtle Beach, Coastal Carolina's home gym, right? Technically Myrtle or technically Conway, South Carolina, but it was considered Myrtle Beach. So okay. still a nice place to play, or if you can visit and do stuff. Puerto Rico, Myrtle Beach, not too bad. But they uh, were they were rolling their four and on the year, and then they put Iowa State, who's pretty good, more than pretty good. But there's a problem. The first five minutes, Chandler Hutchinson goes out with some sort of concussion. I didn't see what happened in the play because I wasn't watching the moment. People were complaining about quit showing the replay. It looks like I guess his head kind of bounced off the floor where he hit so hard. But he did come back in the second half on the bench, mind you, just kind of watching and enthusiastic. So he looked, like you mentioned before, there essentially, like knowing what's going on. So it seemed like a concussion. But coming back to the bench is a good sign. But losing him, that's a pretty big deal. They lost by 11, but they nearly came back. Like they were down, weren't they down 20 at some point? They were down 24, and they made it a uh, 66-62 game with just over a minute and a half left, and they just – hit a ton of threes, and, and Sangfelder poured in a number of them, and Justinian Jessup continues. Uh, I guess he was only one of six in this one, but Lexus Williams was four of nine, the Valpo transfer. So they put in a bunch from deep in the second half, made it interesting. Uh, with with Chandler Hutchison, I think they probably would have, I, I can't assume they'd win this game, but they definitely play better in the, in the end of the first half and start of the second half. So it's too bad they weren't able to capture the Puerto Rico tip-off title, but I think Leon Rice has to be encouraged with how his team has played without Chandler Hutchison. And just uh, two games ago, 
Hutchison just attempted um, like two or three shots, and Boise State won handily. I think that was against Southern Utah, actually. Yeah, that um, first game. I keep like eight minutes or eight, like few, very few minutes. No, uh, no, maybe it was wrong. Yeah, the attempt. Yeah, Southern Utah, two or three overall. is only three or 14 versus UTEP. They won that game as well, barely. And he had the game winner versus UTEP after the missed free throw. Yeah, that, that was a wild one. So he started off that Utah uh, UTEP game, one of 11 from the field, and he had five points in the last uh, – five seconds or so so it's all that is right <laughs> yeah he put in that final basket and um was able to advance past utep which is good because um the miners have just gotten destroyed the last couple days i think um or excuse me they they got blown out by south carolina and they lost to appalachian state which is mm. not a good not a good loss at all but yeah. four and one on the year i think um Hardison should be back fairly soon we don't know if it's a concussion but from what we've heard you can gently assume that it is maybe so um the nice thing is that boise state doesn't play till saturday night against loyal marymount at home and uh, they don't play a road game until they're at oregon on december 1st so hopefully everyone's back and healthy for that oregon game because we've seen what these two teams have done the last couple years and both games have been decided in the final minute so hopefully both teams are at full strength for that one yeah we'll see i'm trying to find out really quick if it mentions here um Asked about his departure, um, which appeared to be precautionary because he was cheering, like I said, on the sideline for the game. Rice said that, obviously, tough break. It's a fortunate. No, he didn't get mentioned anything specific. They got really good guards, blah, blah, blah. No specific on the injury, but uh, it does seem like a concussion the way he hit his head in the ground. So he has to clear whatever protocol they have for the head injury. And, like, he, he is their best player. But it's good, like he said, for here's the thing. He goes out in the early part of the game. Your team is like, oh crap! What's going on? We gotta adjust. We gotta who's gonna take over? Who's our main guy now? Because Hutchinson was the guy, and so there's a little bit of little, Iowa State took advantage of that. Boise finally regrouped, figured it out, but Iowa State's still good of team late. Where Boise still was, was watching the end of this game, relying on three point shots. They weren't attacking very often late in the game because even there's that position when they're down, I think five or six, they're waiting for a three-point shot, wasted a lot of time, eventually went in for some like reverse layup that didn't really roll in, but it's just a tough tough, tough spot to be in when your best player goes out and you got to adjust on the fly like that. Yeah, definitely. So uh, we'll see what Boise State does moving forward, and as long as Hutchinson comes back, this team should be fine. But like I said, it's it's nice to know that they have guys like Christian Sangfelder and Alexis Williams, and Alex Hobbs has been a bright spot so far, so... Some some better scores and probably most would have imagined the preseason that are showing up in the first week and a half. So let me ask you this. After Nevada, who would you say is the next best team so far? I've been impressed with Wyoming, actually. Uh, first two games, they, they came back to, I guess they didn't come back to beat Chattanooga, but they held off Chattanooga, um, which isn't too bad of a team. They looked pretty solid in that one. And then Oregon State, a true road win against the Beavers, which was nice. And Wyoming came from behind. They played pretty close. They led by seven and a half of that one, and then Oregon State came back, and then Wyoming answered in the final five minutes. Alan Herndon had, I think, three swats in the final five minutes or so. He finished with six overall, and Hayden Hayden Dalton continues to stroke it from deep. He was uh, the first first week this season. He was named the Mountain West Player of the Week, so that's an impressive uh, accolade for him. But I think the Cowboys are pretty solid. They get production from Alan Herndon, freshman Hunter Maldonado has been solid so far. And Justin James hasn't done a ton the first two games. And the Cowboys have been fine um, without a ton of production on his end. So 
when he does produce and he's he's pouring in 25 plus a night or whatever it might be uh, that that'll be fun to watch too because Hayden Dalton right now is uh he's catching fire and it's just a pleasure to watch. He is. I remember that game watching I didn't have Pac-12 network but kind of watching the stats like he was stuck at like was it 14 points forever or 12 yeah. points something the second half they finally so I'm like crap they're down 10 points are down this many points are down 70, 72 to 60 at some point, but they had that 22 to five scoring surge late in the game. But like Dalton was like no points and he finally ended up with 22. So they didn't play playing pretty well. They still have a uh, coming up. They got South Dakota state who has a, that's a 1230 um, Cayman Island classic game. Is that that's on Monday, right? 1230 mountain time. Yep. Oh, so maybe you're listening to this at the moment. Maybe that game's already happened. Hopefully uh, we'll see. I'll get it up Sunday night, but who knows if it'll be available for you to listen to if you're working or not working. But uh is there other games? I'm looking real quick. Is there other games that came in classic? I'm assuming, right? Yes, there are. It's it's an eight team field, and you've got some quality opponents in there. Iowa and Cincinnati are the notables. Yeah, UAB is also in that tournament as well. So, uh, if they, if they can match up with either or any of those three teams, I think that would be fun to watch. Cincinnati, I would say, is definitely the best team, at least on paper, of the group. So, uh, if Wyoming can match up with Cincinnati, that would be really fun to watch and also a good test for Wyoming who doesn't play a ton of quality opponents the rest of non-conference play they do have a road game against South Carolina but that's about it and also if you want to watch these games it uh, looks like it's a streaming subscription so we got to fork out a few bucks so here's who they could play really quick if they South Dakota State's a pretty good team so that's not guaranteed the the Cowboys get past them but they'd want them to win because they could play Iowa perhaps and Big Ten team is a chance to play a big opponent, big name opponent, I guess, from a conference. So they could play Iowa, assuming assuming that's the bracket correct he has set out here. And I guess the bottom, if they win that, or I don't know, you there. Here's a combination: like they could play Iowa. If they lose, it's Louisiana, or obviously result pending. But getting a chance to play Iowa will help them out overall because the rest of the bracket: UAB, Richmond, Buffalo, and Cincinnati. Is Cincinnati any good this year with, with Mick Cronin? Are they supposed yeah, to be definitely. Good? Yeah, Bearcats should be really solid. Sorry, I'm so thinking about that, football. That would be a good one. Because <laughs> they're terrible at football this year. So, <laughs> there's some decent opponents. So if they can play Iowa and I don't know how Richmond is. Richmond's usually okay in the A-10, but we'll see. So they have at least one chance to play a good opponent. These are all week. They're the 20th, 21st, uh, and 22nd. So you got those games. Uh, anything else we need to talk about? Uh, talk about most teams. Sorry if we didn't get to your team. Um you have grades handed out on Monday, right? Are you, is that going to be posted tomorrow or Monday? Yeah, we'll have our first report card of the season on Monday. So I uh, I encourage any and all takes to be sent my way. I'm looking forward to it. Even even cold takes. Oh yeah, anything. It's <laughs> fine. Top <laughs> fifteen rebel. Top fifteen rebel take. Sure, why not? We may laugh at you, right? <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. So um, yeah, that's what we got tonight. Um, one thing I'm going to do. I think I'm going to start it next week. Two things I want to start doing. So people, you can hold me accountable if I don't do it just because I may not. But two things I want to do. I'm going to start doing a daily RPI thing, which could be pretty cool. It's kind of seeing who beat who. If you're like, uh, if you have a quality win, not quality win, top 50 win, kind of running total. Because RPI gets updated every day. And so I may use Ken Palm and RPI and whatever to kind of give you guys a gauge of where these teams are at. Then also one thing we talked about preseason. We haven't done it yet, but I think this would be pretty cool. I'm going to do some research and figure out who the Mountain West Player of the Year was every year from, what, 98 till now, and find out what their stats were. 
and then maybe once a week or something, kind of put something together saying these players, uh, if they're on this pace, will be Mount be could be conference player of the year based on these yep. numbers. I think it's pretty cool. That's something a little different to do. Definitely, yeah. I uh, I've done a little bit of research on that, so we'll definitely Excellent. have something in the works. So that that would be really fun to follow along and see what the results tell us. Because you get guys like who's one player 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 of the year? You got Jimmer Fredette years ago. What Kawhi yeah. Leonard? Did he win player of the year? I'm assuming maybe once or twice. Uh, Kawhi, I I don't know off the top of my head. I can look it up real know. quick. Jimmer definitely did, and uh, we won't have any season that's uh, replicated like Jimmer's. Uh, no, I think Jimmer did, so. beat it because him and Kawhi played the same years. So who knows? But well, I just think it's a cool stat. Like we'll go through a stat line and see what players are on track to be considered. Yeah, so. I have a quick thing on Kawhi, real quick. This is interesting. So he wasn't. Mountain West Player of the Year. However, he was a Wooden Award finalist, and he was second team consensus All America. So but Jimmer, but Jimmer was a... first place All America, first team All American, yeah. right? Yeah, <laughs> it's kind of hard to beat yep. that when you have the guy who can score fifty two versus the Lobos or crush you at home in a top ten matchup playing against San Diego State. So I think that's something cool to do. And they'll go back to the whole Mountain West. So there'll be some Utah stuff because I think uh, Andrew Bogut was Player of the Year when he went number one overall. I think that was Mountain West as well back in 02 or something, but we'll mix it up. It's just something fun to go through because we don't we don't just need recaps and score predictions, right? Yeah, exactly. We'll mix in some fun things here and there and keep everyone entertained. We'll do that. So that's our show for tonight. So check us out on Twitter, MWC Wire, Betker underscore Eli. Um, just you'll figure it out. Fine. Search Eli Betker. Maybe, <laughs> maybe we can get him verified this season. Has to happen. I don't, man. I don't know what the deal is with that. We'll I stumbled, I stumbled at the verification, and you should be able to get there as well. <laughs> yeah, I think you still have like double the followers I do, but no, no, I'll keep working on maybe. it. That's not almost not quite. You got almost seventeen hundred followers. Let's get Eli to seventeen hundred followers by Monday. It's only six away. You can do that, right? Yeah, I hope so. As long as I don't make anyone mad. Rebel fan, sorry in advance. I'm kidding. That was me. <laughs> I know. That's it. We'll figure it out. We'll get you going. All right, so what what the plan is really quick, we're probably going to do these about once a week. So Thanksgiving coming up, so we'll see what we have going on because you you heard our turkey talk. Maybe we'll skip Thanksgiving for something. I don't know. No, not really. But we'll figure it out. We'll have a show. Feast week. Yeah, feast week. That's a – guess it's a good name. I don't know. I guess we'll take it. But, yeah, that's what we got for tonight. Again, we're on Stitcher now. Or we've always been on Stitcher. Sorry, Spreaker. Um, do you know what Spreaker is, Eli? Are you familiar with that service? I am not up with any of my podcast lingo or sites or anything like that. Are you familiar with SoundCloud? Yes. It's basically a SoundCloud clone. That's what I'll, that's why I put it that. It looks exactly the same, except it's not orange, it's yellow. But it's basically the same thing. So that's another way for you to subscribe to this show. I know a lot of people use iTunes, or I guess the correct term is Apple Podcast at the moment. But if you have Android, you can use Stitcher. You could use uh, other TuneIn. But you can use the app on Spreaker, which I've used time to time. It works pretty well. And it, like I said, it's like, if you like SoundCloud, you like that because we are not on SoundCloud because of, like I said, the football show. They don't give us any pennies, but Spreaker <laughs> might give us a few pennies every now and then if you listen. <laughs> so, yeah, that's how you can find our show. Tune in, iTunes, all those fun places, uh, Spreaker. Check it out. Just search our show, Mountain West Wire. You'll find us. And that's all we got for tonight. And, yeah, as always, you know what it is. We're biased to get your basketball team.